0: Radio Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the Graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms, the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. We will also include a testimony of people who have experienced her love and grace in their own lives. So welcome to the program, and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, we ask you to bless us with the gift of your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit may open our hearts and enlighten our minds as we look again at this beautiful message of Fatima. Grant us that gift, O Lord, that enables us to see your love in everything that you do, to see your love and mercy and to give you the praise and the glory and the honor that you deserve have mercy on us lord grant us your grace as we pray hail mary full of grace the lord is with you blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Blessed Francesco and Jacinta, pray for us. Blessed Pope John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, today we're going to conclude our sessions on the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima, with our third and final session up till now we've been looking at the apparitions during 1917 but we also want to look at some meetings that Sister Lucia had with Jesus and Mary after that date now there is one apparition that Sister Lucia received on June the 13th 1929 which was quite an important one and while she was in prayer in the chapel Lucia had a very powerful and enlightening vision of the Most Holy Trinity, and Our Lady of Fatima was part of that vision. Lucia wrote of this vision, Suddenly the whole chapel was illuminated by a supernatural light, and above the altar appeared a cross of light, reaching to the ceiling. In a brighter light, on the upper part of the cross, could be seen the face of a man and his body as far as the waist. Upon his breast was a dove of light. Nailed to the cross was the body of another man. A little below the waist I could see a chalice and a large host suspended in the air onto which drops of blood were falling from the face of Jesus crucified and from the wound in his side. These drops ran down onto the host and fell into the chalice. Beneath the right arm of the cross was Our Lady, and in her hand was her Immaculate Heart. Under the left arm of the cross, large letters, as if of crystal clear water, which ran down upon the altar, formed the words, Grace and Mercy. Sister Lucia further wrote, I understood that it was the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity, which was shown to me, and I received insights about this mystery, which I am not permitted to reveal. Our Lady then said, The moment has come in which God asks for the Holy Father, in union with all the bishops of the world, to make consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, promising to save it by this means. There are so many souls whom the justice of God condemns for sins committed against me that I have come to ask reparation. Sacrifice yourself for this intention and pray. This began then Jesus' request for the consecration of Russia by the Holy Father in union with the bishops of the church. And Jesus was asking Lucia to get this message to the Holy Father And, you know, there was no telephones and hotlines or emails to the Holy Father in those days. Especially when Sister Lucy is living in a recluse convent. And so she was getting a, a little stressed about how she was going to do this. And one day she asked Jesus why he would not convert Russia without the Holy Father making the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And our Lord replied, because I want my whole church to acknowledge that consecration as a triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and put the devotion to the Immaculate Heart beside the devotion to my Sacred Heart. So Jesus is wanting this. and This is the age in which we live, in which the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary will dawn. Now, Please, when you're looking at information on the internet about Fatima, please be very careful what you read. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people and groups out there who think that the consecration that John Paul did in 1984, on the 25th of March, 1984, does not meet with what Our Lady asked for. Now, Sister Lucy has said that it does. And to call into question that Sister Lucy is not being truthful, well, you know, you might as well call into question the whole of the apparitions. And then there are another group of people they think there's more to the third secret of Fatima, which we'll discuss in a moment, than what has been revealed. You can go to the Vatican website, and you can download the Third Secret of Fatima, and you can read all the documents there. And Sister Lucy, under oath, has said that this is the complete. There is no more. There is not bits being held back by Sister Lucy or the Church. She declares it under oath. Pope John Paul II, and the Bishop of Fatima, the then Cardinal Ratzinger, who is now Pope Benedict XVI, and Cardinal Sadano, all of these are involved in this release of this Third Secret of Fatima and so to say that they're somehow being hidden or held back is to bring all those people into question of their integrity again it just, I'm sorry, it just doesn't make sense. So please be very careful about getting caught up because they look like they're authentic messages and then you start reading their own interpretation of things and sadly it starts to go off the rails. We just have to be faithful to what Our Lady asks us, not trying to inflate it with our own ideas. As I mentioned on a previous talk about the Marian Pope, Pope John Paul II, we spent a bit of time there looking at John Paul's connection with Fatima and we won't go into it again. But please, if you haven't had a listen to that, if you get a chance, have a listen, because it really ties in quite a lot with Pope John Paul II and his important connection with Fatima. As you know, in 1981, the Pope was shot in an attempted assassination, but he always says, a motherly hand guided the bullet. And so he lived. In the year 2000, Pope John Paul went to Fatima to beatify francisco and jacinta the two young visionaries and present also then was sister lucia who was in her nineties and it must have been amazing for her to sit there and to watch all of this unfold in front of of over a million people and i was blessed to be one of those million people sitting there in the heat (laughs) But on that day, the Pope revealed to the world the Third Secret of Fatima. Now we're told that within days of the Pope being elected, he had read the Third Secret of Fatima and he knew of it. And then in 1981, on the 13th of May, notice that the day on which the apparitions began, an attempt was made on his life. And he realized at that moment that he was part of this third secret of Fatima. So I'm going to read you now what the Secretary of the State, Cardinal Angelo Sodano, read out on that day in front of the Holy Father. The Holy Father didn't read this himself. He gave it to Cardinal Sodano for obvious reasons. And I'll read it to you. On the solemn occasion of his visit to Fatima... His Holiness has directed me to make an announcement to you. As you know, the purpose of his visit to Fatima has been to beatify the two little shepherds. Nevertheless, he also wishes his pilgrimage to be a renewed gesture of gratitude to Our Lady for her protection during these years of his papacy. This protection seems also to be linked with the so-called third part of the Secret of Fatima. That text contains a prophetic vision similar to those found in sacred scripture, which do not describe with photographic clarity the details of future events, but rather synthesize and condense against a unified background events spread out over time in a succession and a duration which are not specified. As a result, the text must be interpreted in a symbolic key. The vision of Fatima concerns above all the war waged by atheist systems against the Church and Christians, and it describes the immense sufferings endured by the witnesses to the faith to the last century of the second millennium it is an interminable way of the cross led by the popes of the 20th century. According to the interpretation of the little shepherds, which was also recently confirmed by Sister Lucia, the bishop clothed in white, who prays for all the faithful, is the pope. And as he makes his way with great effort towards the cross, amid the corpses of those who were martyred Bishops, priests, religious men and women, and many lay persons, he too falls to the ground, apparently dead, under a burst of gunfire. After the assassination attempt on the 13th of May, 1981, it appeared evident to His Holiness that it was a motherly hand which guided the bullet's path, enabling the dying Pope to halt at the threshold of death. On the occasion of a visit to Rome by the then Bishop of Fatima, the Pope decided to give him the bullet which had remained in the jeep after the assassination attempt so that it might be kept in the shrine. And at the behest of the Bishop, the bullet was later set in the crown of the statue of Our Lady of Fatima. The successive events of 1989 led both to the Soviet Union and in a number of countries of Eastern Europe to the fall of the communist regime which promoted atheism. For this too, his holiness offers heartfelt thanks to the Most Holy Virgin. In other parts of the world, however, attacks against the Church and Christians, together with the burden of suffering which they involve, tragically continue. Even if the events to which the third part of the Secret of Fatima refers now seems part of the past, Our Lady's call to conversion and penance, issuing at the beginning of the 20th century, remains timely and urgent today. In order that the faithful may better receive the message of Our Lady of Fatima, the Pope has charged the congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, with the making public of the third part of the secret after the preparation of an appropriate commentary. The third part of the secret, it's a description in the style of apocalyptic literature which describes the Pope who walks with great effort to the cross stepping over all those who have been martyred, until ultimately he too falls down dead under a burst of gunfire. If you would like to read more of this, I recommend that you go to the Vatican website and look up the Third Secret of Fatima, all of the events that surrounded the beatification of Francesco and Jacinta at Fatima in the year 2000. So until the year 2000, Besides Pope John Paul and Sister Lucia, the only other living person believed to be privy to the Third Secret of Fatima was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who was head of the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. And of course Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger is today Pope Benedict XVI and in 1996 he told on Portugal's Catholic radio station that there was nothing worrisome in the message of Fatima and it remained secret because the Vatican wanted to avoid confusing religious prophecy with sensationalism Hopefully that helps you get through some of the hyper hysteria that is sometimes connected with the third secret of Fatima. We need to embrace the message But we need to keep our feet on the ground without talking about things that are not part of the secret. There's enough there for us to challenge us all without having to add any more to it. (laughs) So then, what can we say then in summary to wrap up our look at the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima? We can say that we're called to prayer, we're called to conversion. We're called to say the rosary daily. We're called to make reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and in a particular way to practice the five first Saturdays of the month devotion. And we're called to consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And the bigger picture is the world is in crisis we're heading for self-destruction the answer is given to us in consecrating ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary Mary is the answer to the times in which we live if ever there was a time not to throw out devotion to Mary it is now we're living now in this age which is of where the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary will dawn. And for those who do not understand this message are not going to understand the world and the difficulties that will come upon us. We need to be people of hope, people of joy, people of trust in God's mercy. We need to be able to be triumphant even when the world looks as though that evil and sin are taking over. We know who's going to win. The outcome has already been determined. It's already there. We, we know it from Scripture, from Genesis 3.15, and we know it from so many Marian apparitions, and in particular those beautiful words which we hold dear to us from the message of Fatima, In the end, my Immaculate Heart, will triumph so thank you very much I hope you've enjoyed our session on Fatima I really wanted to open up the words of Mary and really sort of sit in them and bathe in them and not sweep them under the carpet or water them down but to present them as she said and allow the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with peace with joy and with love and with the grace to respond So thank you. Please don't go away because we'll be right back with our special guest today. We'll be sharing something of their love for Our Lady and the beautiful graces that Our Lord gives us through His Mother. So welcome back. Today's special guest we have Brother Dominic Levac. Brother Dominic is a friar in the Conventual Franciscans at Kellyville. He was born in Croatia 54 years ago. Uh, he immigrated to Australia as a young boy at 10 years of age and he entered religious life in 1983. So coming up on 30 years now. So I have him on the line right now. Welcome to the program Brother Dominic.
1: Thank you all. It's- good to be with you everyone who is listening
0: thank you brother i know the conventional franciscans have a great devotion to mary so would you like to share with us your own relationship with mary and the role that she's played in your spiritual life
1: yes okay she is very central to our order as she was to saint francis so it goes right to the beginning and this, of course, only became even more deeper, if you like, more intense as different Franciscan saints came throughout the last 800 years. One of the recent ones is St. Maximilian Colby. Our Lady, we call her the Immaculata. She is very, very, very central in our lives, in our relationship with God and everything we stand for as for me personally i believe my love my relationship with the blessed mother goes back to long before i became a friar i think it started way back when i was a little boy in croatia definitely the seed was planted there and nurtured by my mother my father other relatives were simple people pretty much just barely could read and write but but they had a faith and a love for Blessed Mother which was it wasn't up for compromise or for discussion and so I inherited that and as I grew up as I became a young man as I uh, you know there was certain things you kind of ask yourself personal things about your faith and all that. That, of course, only deepened. And when I entered the Franciscans, that deepened even more. And I like to believe it is still deepening. When i by deepening, I mean being in relationship, a personal relationship with the Blessed Mother, with Our Lady. Perhaps that might sound strange to some people because normally we talk like this about our Lord. But I think it's very, for me personally, it is very, very meaningful to think of myself as in relationship with my my Blessed Mother, our Blessed Mother. And I like to keep that, Uh, As simple and as everyday thing, Not yes, devotions are beautiful and all this, but it's not about, it's not a theory, it's a person I'm in relationship with. Devotions are beautiful, but it's deeper than that. So I personally have no doubt that she is very present, she is beautifully present, and accessible to every human being. And I find most deepest and meaningful joy. She's just absolutely relevant in everything I do, in everything I stand for, everything I aspire to be. And often it's just more or less being in presence, in her putting myself in her presence. Often it's no more than just you know if somebody was to see me they would think oh he's just lonely he's sitting alone <laughs> but actually it it's a silence that is life giving and that's what people call contemplation or reflection but basically it's just being in presence i believe she's in present to me and i'm present with her and out of that i have written things and I like to believe I hope I'm not sort of being deceived in any way I have come to a greater simplicity greater appreciation of for who I am and why I am yeah I I do feel inadequate in expressing my experience of her I guess people who might be listening to this have their own experience of blessed mother and if they don't I sincerely encourage them to try and approach her just by being themselves.
0: Brother Dominic, I know you've been very active in the pro-life movement. Can you tell us something about your work and how in particular you see the importance of the role of Mary within this pro-life work?
1: I see her once again as in everything. I see her absolutely central, anything to do with Christ. Anything to do with the sacrament, anything to do with the problems in the world, with the sufferings in the world. She is absolutely central and she is most centrally central in pro life work. I am I'm so deeply convinced of that, I have no doubt. To put it simply, once again, I don't think it's possible, but is absolutely central I don't think we should go into getting emotional or political or anything like that I think she's truly aware of what is going on and she doesn't need to be told what's going on I think what we can do is simply be with her as this Holocaust goes on from day to day from year to year claiming countless millions Uh, She is more aware of the details than other human beings. I find it personally tremendously helpful just by being with her in this human tragedy of abortion and contraception. And I sit with her and I really look with hope to the future, with, with, with deep hope, with genuine hope and trust in Jesus as she is. With full hope with deep hope with her, I sit with her and I wait with her. I know that only that way I feel like I've I've done all I can for her life. We do have for the past twenty years we've been having reparation masses for the sin of abortion here at our monastery, our friary here in Kellyville. And at the moment we are building a chapel. Holy Innocence Chapel, which will serve for this work, spiritually. We have a monument to the aborted children, on which we're just in the process now of building as well. There was one, a little one, but now we're improving the grotto and the monument to the unborn. And on one side will be a quote from Jeremiah, I have carved you on the palm of my hand. And on the other side of the monument, the shrine, the unborn, will be a quote from Mother Teresa when she received the Nobel Prize at Oslo in 1979, where she said before all the worldly dignitaries that abortion is the biggest destroyer of peace in the world today. And I cannot stress enough how that is true. Mother Teresa was so... So, so perfectly right when she said that. And so that will be the monument, the unborn. And I believe Our Lady will do great things here, continue to do great things. First of all, by people converting back to, or coming to Jesus, to the mercy of Jesus. I think that is the most central I think abortion is not just a political issue, because people have lost faith in God. People who love God do not kill their children. People who love God do not contracept. People who believe in God do not kill their child and believe that they can live happily ever after, as if that was possible anyway. What is most important is people coming back to church the sacraments, to healing, sacrament of confession, healing through confession. And that is the purpose of the tribe. We are just so privileged that our Blessed Mother is leading the way and she will do her work. And blessed are those who hear what she says and act on it.
0: <laughs> Brother Dominic, for the listeners that are in the Sydney area, are there special days that they can come out and join at the Shrine? you have special devotions at the Shrine on certain days?
1: At the moment, we do have a Mass every last Saturday of the month. And our biggest one is on the Feast of the Holy Innocents every year when Bishop comes and presides. And Bishop Fisher will be coming once again this year. He has been a tremendous support for the whole project.
0: Just remind us again, the Feast of the Holy Innocents is... December the 28th. De- December 28th.
1: And we have a procession, and then we have our adoration and devotions afterwards. And that is a big one, and that is the main event. And then, of course, we have every month, we have a mat. I think beautiful things are happening, and I, I love Mother Teresa, whom I had privilege of meeting and she's actually a part of this shrine because in 1994 I wrote to her (coughs) asking her to help. (laughs) Ah. And she did respond and we have that letter and it will be in the new chapel and it's a beautiful letter where she basically says that if it's the will of God, this desire will become a reality and this is what's happening now. But Mm. more importantly... For me, personally, she said that it is important that I come to know personal love of Jesus and Mary. And at the time, I was kind of offended. That, why did she say that to me? Does she think I'm not close to Jesus already? <laughs> <laughs> so it took about 15, 16 years to kind of work that out. And yes, that is the most important thing for me to be in a very intimate a relationship with Jesus and Mary. That is before anything. The shrine is all God's work. Mm. So I hope I'm doing all right.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you are. Brother Dominic, you mentioned to me earlier before we came on air about the desert retreats that you sometimes participate in in western New South Wales. Could you share with the listeners a little bit about these desert retreats, and how you journey with those.
1: Yes, this is a chapel. It's called the Farm Chapel, dedicated to Christ the King. And it's in middle of central New South Wales, about 40 kilometres out of Condobolan. And it belongs to a good friend, Walter. And he has a farm there of 12,000 acres. So, And he built this chapel there in 2008. Just very briefly, a replica of this chapel in Condobolan is the one that's being built in Kellyville, which will be the shrine of the Holy Innocent. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I did approach him, if it was possible to go there sometimes. And he was so happy and supportive. So I go there with a Cistercian priest, monk, from Hong Kong and we went after easter for two weeks then we went in july for two weeks we went in september two weeks sometimes i will go on my own but of course not being a priest i won't have mass every day but i will have the blessed sacrament so it's uh, an amazing place because one morning i remember waking up and looking out the window and the sun was brilliantly shining the birds were singing kangaroos were hopping And there was all this activity, but it was in silence. I could not help but think, my God, Mother Earth, what are we doing to you? You know, in the form of destroying you and thinking that we need to control you. You are doing such a beautiful job yourself. Everything works so perfectly, so brilliant. Mm -hmm. And it's all done in silence. And it is so easy to come back to be reminded that God speaks most loudly in silence. And that is such an experience there. It's something most of us, unfortunately, don't have the privilege of experiencing. And I am unbelievably grateful for that. It's very challenging in a way because there's no television, there's no phone. And you have to make the most... Simple everyday things kind of last longer, and there's no hurry, there's no pressure. (laughs) Hmm. So it's a very profound experience of going back to what we are really on about, who really God is. We are unfortunately not able to have that, most of us. But anyhow, That's one experience at Condoblin, but when I come back to the friary at Kellyville, I do try and make times of silence where I don't have to do things. I try to get into a mindset where nothing depends on me, really. I'm not the center, you know. Trying to be as realistically in the here and now as much as possible. It's amazing how little we have to do. There's all these false emergencies, false needs. We have to be, we have to do, I have to say, I have to, have to, I have to, I have to, I know I don't have to do nothing. All I really need is to be with my God as Mother Mary is. Mm-hmm. You know, She is with her God because when I'm with God Only with God, then I am everywhere where I need to be. So it's kind of like that, anyway. Maybe it's a bit complicated. Maybe it's you know I've lost some listeners along all this, but I guess I'm trying to sort of remind myself as well as those who I'm sharing this with that there's no need for um, all this hustle and this, this rushing and this. There's no need for all this. One thing alone is necessary, and Saint Francis said, What I am before God, that I am no more. He sums it up better than I do.
0: That's beautiful, Brother Dominic. Thank you so much. Something you said at the beginning really touched my heart, which really expresses your simplicity yet profound love for Our Lady, when you said, My Blessed Mother.
1: Oh, she is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have no shame and I have no fear.
0: I, I... I mean, I think that's beautiful because it challenges us all to build that depth in the relationship. We don't just know about her, but to know her and to love her. You know, as you said, putting yourself in her presence, I think that's a such a rich thing we can all just contemplate on for <laughs> for quite a while. And your love and compassion for the whole pro-life movement, comes out very strongly in what you say so brother Dominic thank you so much for being with us today and sharing some very deep insights into your own spirituality and I'm sure you've left all of us with a lot of things to go and reflect on because you know it is all about love isn't it? it's all about the heart it's not about how much we know but it's about how much we love so brother Dominic thank you so much for being with us today I really appreciate your time and your wisdom.
1: And I thank you all, and it has been truly a privilege. And I hope the listeners try and see Our Lady rather than me in what I've been sharing, because it really is all about her. And the more it is about her, the more it will be about them.
0: That's beautiful. That's a lovely line. All right, Brother Dominic, thank you so much. To all our listeners, we thank you. We hope you have enjoyed our program today and please join us next time on Our Queen, Our Mother when once again we'll explore the graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary.
1: Radio.org.au